Okay, welcome back to the Here We Go Again podcast. You're once again joined by myself, Luke Gallagher, and my colleague, Mike O'Gara, and the special Whoa. guest today, the postman, Philippe Murray. How are you? Yeah, good, good. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. Not Sorry. a problem. So what we do is we it's kind of in chronological order. We go back to the start, which for you was obviously Chelsea. Um, what was it like to be a young player at a club like Chelsea? How, how did you get picked up for a start? Well, at Chelsea, um, I'd been on a few trials at other clubs just before uh, Wimbledon, uh, Southampton, and I didn't manage to get in. Wimbledon, I was too small. Everyone was huge for some reason. I don't know why. I yeah, was, that, I, was from I was tiny compared to everyone. And, and then Southampton uh, just weren't good enough at the time. I was, But those two trials, I learned so much from players that were so much better at a young age. I just had like a, a raw talent, really. I didn't really know that the different aspects of the game. So those two failures really is where I learned a lot, where then when I went to... Arsenal within a week they wanted to sign me and then Chelsea had just scouted me and I was a Chelsea fan so was my family so uh, we ditched Arsenal and went to Chelsea <laughs> so you could have quite easily been a gunner then yeah I could have yeah it was yeah. probably would have been the better choice um, in terms of breaking in at the mm-hmm. time the period I broke through I probably would have maybe got more game time um, as a young player because the when I was breaking through Chelsea, Abramovich came and it was really tough to break in. I'd say that was a brilliant squad, wasn't it, that, that Chelsea had then? Yeah, amazing squad. Obviously, amazing experience for me. Um, just being in and around it, really. I, was, I trained most of the time with the first team for two, three years. And then, but was always playing reserves football. So it was almost, it was good, but it was bad. It was really frustrating for me. Um, and I couldn't at the at the time realize how great it was anyway. Just being around it, I wanted to play, which was a bit crazy. I was so overconfident. Um, but you need that in football. You need that real belief in yourself to 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 make it in the game. But um, I was probably a little bit deluded then. I I, uh, I was getting very frustrated. I I weren't playing for some reason you know looking back were you just back, asking was, yourself that we, were you wondering why you weren't playing at that point is that how you felt I just felt I deserved more of an opportunity I was in and around the first team with them all the time played pre-season games and on the bench a lot and never got on <laughs> so it was so so frustrating because I was so close but there was so much pressure on Mr Mourinho to win every game now, obviously, I clearly understand that. You couldn't just gamble and put a young lad on. He was always, you know, meticulous, had to win. Um, massive pressure on him. So, obviously, looking back, I completely understand it. And I was probably, he was probably doing me a huge favour just being around it. Mm. But at the time, I, I was getting frustrated. I wanted to get out and play, really. How did you cope with the pressures, the sort of, the big pressures that come on you, that are on young players when you're at, big clubs like Chelsea, how did you cope with those pressures, the pressure of being a young player at a big club? Um, I didn't really feel any pressure. I was so confident as a young lad. Um, like I said, looking back, I surprised myself in terms of my mindset and things like that. Probably now, if I was in the same position, I'd probably take it in more and feel more of a pressure. But I guess that's the beauty of when you're young, you don't really take take it all in and you just go for it 
Um, but of course, you know, the, the first time you go into the first team with such big players, you know, John Terry, Lampard, Drogba, massive characters in the dressing room. Yeah, it can be daunting. It, it, there's a big pressure to produce. There's no prisoners in training. <laughs> it's like cup finals training. So it was a massive eye-opener. That, it, it stood me in good stead uh, throughout my career, really, how serious to play at the top level you really need to be. Well, in the training quite, sessions, I can imagine... Go on, Mikey. It's quite interesting you say that, Fleet, because uh, thinking about the sort of time frame you'd have come through, that would have been the similar ages to, like, Liam Brigcup, Jacob Mellish. You might not have been the same age group, but they've been in and around the same, like, sort of age bracket, so to speak. It's, it's testament to Chelsea's, like, training in itself that how many players have gone on to play in league football alone because the, the standard of uh, play must have been so high there. Yeah, uh, I know Liam really well. He was a year below me or two. Um, but we could tell from the off he'd have a career in the game, Liam. Great character, leader type, um, type of player. Um, and then Jacob, I didn't play much with. He was a lot younger, not a lot younger, but I then had moved on. But obviously, I've got a lot of friends that are still there and knew him and coached him. So I always heard great things about Jacob when he was coming through. He was very highly regarded uh, when he was coming through at Chelsea. Um, he'd probably say himself, he's, he's probably still underachieving and he can still go and play higher. Um, he's got great ability. Um, so... Yeah, I know those lads well, and it is a test. Uh, you know, it, it's credit to Chelsea, really. The way they bring through their players, the academy's amazing. A lot of my friends who came through me at Chelsea that actually didn't make it, so to speak, or, or have a career in the game, they actually ha still have roles at the club and they're coaches in the youth team now. That's another thing the club does really well. Anyone who came through who don't quite get there, they offer them another avenue to stay in the game and coach. And some of them have been there 10, 12, 14 years. And now they're great coaches. You know, people like James Simmons, uh, to name just one, Joe Edwards, who's now in the first team with Frank Lampard. They were all players that were a year below me. Liam Bridcott knows really well. They're still there. So, yeah, the way they do it at Chelsea is, is just amazing. You know, although they pay players a lot of money now and the money in the game is, is, is crazy at that level, they do still try and put the fundamentals into the players that they really need and, and try and not allow them to get big time, so to speak. Jose Mourinho, obviously one of the greatest managers of our generation. What was it like working with him and did it help that the manager and a lot of his staff were Portuguese? Did that help at all? In, in the sense of your relationship with them, or? Um, yeah, probably did. Uh, obviously, as soon as they come in and there's a Portuguese kid, they're going to speak Portuguese to him. <laughs> so um, they always spoke to me. I guess that the, the first day they came in, I remember I was straight in with the first team. I was only 17 at the time. Just came back from a serious ankle injury. I missed eight months of my first season as a as a full-time professional player. So to come back from a serious, serious injury that was actually career-ending, um, came back, worked so hard off-season, you know, all these things that people don't see, you know, you don't just end up having a career, you know, you, there's going to, every player would have went through some hardship somewhere to really 
get there in the end. And those types of days is what makes me think, you know, I'm so fortunate to have the career I've had. Um, and there's people played a lot higher and I probably possibly could have had a better career, but just to have a career is extremely difficult. And it's days like that when you worked so hard at 17 with such a big setback kind of makes you think that was all worth it. And um, yeah, to answer your question, to go straight into the first team and have a full pre-season with them at such a young age without having really done anything in the game just shows how much they rated me uh, straight away. And that was amazing. So it was just fantastic to be around it. And to get to train with the calibre of players you did, you mentioned some names there, obviously Frank Lampard, John Terry, Didier Drogba, players like that. It must have been so beneficial to you to train with those big names or senior players. Oh, just huge. Just like John Terry and just the relentlessness, the desire he has daily. It's scary to see. It's infectious. And that is why Chelsea had the success they had when they have a driving force like that and then Lampard coming in and the other great characters around the building, you know, uh, Joe Cole, Wayne Bridge, the English lads, you know, coupled with the foreign boys, you know, they just got got together. They really worked together as a great team, massive t team spirit. And, and that ties in the management again. Steve Clark, who was my youth team coach, went up to the first team, which I thought was really clever from Mourinho when he first came. Steve had played for Chelsea and been with the youth for a number of years and was well-respected, a really calm, serious character. Very scary, really, because he was my youth team manager. He was scary when I was young. And uh, I thought Jose, uh, it was a great, great idea bringing him in, uh, along with his assistant, Rui Faria, because it just kept that continuity. It had that link with the, the English players with, or the great British players. And, and uh, yeah, it was just a great blend of top, top players that were then going to go to a whole new level because of their togetherness and work rate that Mourinho brought. Uh, just the winning mentality. It was frightening to be around. It was really, you know... I, I remember like it was yesterday, the, the type of um, seriousness in training. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Are there any particular stories, perhaps off the training ground, that, that stick in your head even now? There are a few, but I don't think I can say them on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be fair, John Terry seems like the sort of player that like, will give you a... A, a bollocking, so to speak. It doesn't matter how old you are, you know, if you're 16, 35, he's going to tell you if you're doing something wrong. Definitely. You know what? He never, um, he always told you in the right way. And I think that was a, the and one thing he did as well. He used to pay for all the young lads' driving lessons and their driving tests out of his own pocket. Wow. It's brilliant. Yeah. Man. Things like that, you know, that people don't know. Um, Didier Drogbob was amazing to me. He used to give me all his boots. <laughs> so he used to give me loads of Nike boots. You know, when you're young, you just... Everything. And uh, he he wore vapours like I did, Nike vapours. I used to love it. He used to sort me out all the time. Um, but yeah, uh, John was just amazing with, with the young lads. If you ever came in, he'd always find a moment to speak to you. If you did do something wrong, he could hammer you, but he'd just pull you and say, he'd try and explain it to you. Um, 
he was probably so fed up with me the amount of crap I used to do <laughs> as a young lad. <laughs> but he never he never lost his head with me looking back you know where anyone else I'd be like Jesus you cocky little so and so but he just always tried to explain it to me um, just for some players it takes them longer longer than others to to understand how to behave around a football environment you know the hierarchy you know you need to respect your elders and respect for me I was in the youth it would be to respect the reserve players and then obviously the first team players wash their boots do all the chores that you're supposed to do that none of them do now and it, it they really it's a shame they stopped that because I understand why they do and times have moved on but it was a great uh, learning curve for young players to do boots and clean balls. You know, sometimes players, they, when it was me having to get the balls in, the first team would literally pick a ball up and kick it as far over the goal they could just because <laughs> I was always chirpy around the place and they'd make me go and chase them. And uh, it was, again, a learning curve. They were telling me, stop what you're doing, you know, and learn how to respect your elders. So, that was some of the things that happened around the place that were looking back really good learning curves for me and they were the older players found a way to get through to the younger players which was good a funny story we we at Chelsea we've got a kit man Billy I don't know if you uh Billy McCulloch I don't know if you've the seen one who's, him on uh, does all the daft things on the videos yeah the video yeah yeah yeah, yeah. seen that so, got loads of stories with Billy but the one I could probably say uh just one day it was snowing. This was when we still trained at Harlington in Hayes. We weren't in the new training ground yet, but Abramovich had, had came then. <laughs> and um, it was snowing. And uh, John, John Terry used to always, you know, wind him up and egg him on to do funny things. And he made him run out and do a Klinsman dive in the snow. And all, all the first team ran and jumped all over him. And then I can't remember who it was, but one of the other players jumped and landed right on top. And he was going, ah, ah, I'm in pain. But everyone thought he was always joking. <laughs> but he was actually in pain. And someone had actually broke his pelvis. I'm laughing now, but it was such a bad injury. <laughs> pelvis? Wow. Yeah, like his pelvis. It was a bad one. And in the end, obviously, the lads all looked after him anyway. But <laughs> when you look back, it's quite funny. But it was horrific that... He got that badly injured. He was out, out of work for, for some time. Another one with Bill was um, they once tied him up uh, when, when Miss Mourinho just joined as well and, and they rolled him down the corridor into Mourinho's office. <laughs> Basically com completely taped to a chair without being able to speak or just about breathe. They just put a hole through his mouth. <laughs> wow. So yeah, there were some, some big, big stars, but they were all really down-to-earth, genuine characters and we had things like that going on and that's why we had the team spirit we had, really. So it's been probably about 15 years since, since you left Chelsea. Obviously, it's not like a, a massive amount of time, but in that time, how much, if at all, would you say that things have changed in the game, particularly behind the scenes, on the training ground, things like that? Um, I'd say with the youth, it's really changed the different type of player that comes through, the, the characters. Um, you know, I've, I've, I have my own academy out with football and I coach young players and I'm keen in the coaching side of the game and then going on to managing hopefully in the future. And um, 
so I, I kind of like delving into things like that. And when I see young players, I try and go out of my way to speak to them and try and understand what goes through their head and stuff because I just think and looking back of my career, the best managers are always the ones that had the connection with the player and the player wanted to play for the manager. Um, don't get me wrong, there's certain managers you have to step back uh, to have that seriousness, but it's knowing what makes that player tick. I feel that really gets the best out of them. So I always try to speak to the young players and they definitely have changed over the years how they think. Social media is obviously massive now and I'm quite active myself on it. Um, but when I was coming through, it was totally different. Real, It was more old school. You still used to get um, roughed up a little bit, shall we say. I was going to say beaten up. But <laughs> <laughs> you get a bit roughed up um, on your first day. You have to do a dance and a song. All that sort of banter that really makes you feel uncomfortable. That's a character building process. They don't do now because all of a sudden, you know, young players start putting in complaints to the PFA and you just don't know what's going to happen. It, it's just got all a bit, I think it's a bit too much, that sort of thing where players can't take that side of things, you know, where you have a laugh, you know, you've got to be so careful what you say to a player now, especially as a coach, um, because they can just flip things on you. And I think that's a bit sad in that respect, how mm. the game's gone in that way. But the old school mentality is still so proven. You can get a player to understand that. You know, you've got a real gem there if he's, a, if he's technically a great player as well. If you get the character and the, play, and the technical player, you know, that's where you get your stars. Something else, that you, could, oh, on, Mikey, sorry. Something else that you could say that's changed, for you, especially maybe at Chelsea, is the, like, the whole loan management scene like, with the younger players. So, for example, the partnership that Chelsea have with the Test, sending out all the players out. Do you think that's more of a thing that, that players should be doing? Like, they should be encouraging players to go out and play abroad and go and play elsewhere in the lower league as regards to like, playing, maintaining like, youth-level football, trying to get out there as much as possible? That's such a good question because when I left Chelsea, the reason I left was because I went on loan. It opened my eyes to real football. When you're at, especially a club like Chelsea, it's probably the same at the other big clubs, um, you're just cocooned. You're mollycuddled. You get everything done for you, literally everything. It's just not real. And then the reserve games, there's no pressure, really. They, you know, it's always about developing. You know, if you lose a ball in the halfway line, they go and score. It's not someone's wages on the line. If you get relegated, you know, big, big, big difference. When you've got a 32, 33-year-old man maybe coming towards the end of his career or older, and you come into that environment and you want to start messing about with the ball near your own goal, very quickly you're going to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I saw, I'm sure it was you that was speaking to Albie not long ago. Um, yeah, yesterday, yeah. Yeah, I saw a snippet of it and it just reminded me of Albie there because it shows how old we are. <laughs> because um, I remember going on loan from Chelsea to MK Dons mm -hmm. and Aaron Wilbraham was playing there as a striker. And, you know, he was an older player, still not one of the most experienced, but he, he'll know of the certain things that happened there. And um, there was a, a player at the time, I can't remember his name now, I think it's Paul Mitchell. He's 
He's now gone on to be one of the best um, analysis people in the game. He was at Tottenham for a while. And one time he literally wanted to kill me because um, I tried a trick on the halfway line. Um, I tried to flick it over someone's head. Uh, I could have just took it round him normally, but <laughs> I tried the fancy way round. And, um, you know, he went in on me hard and Albie was around then and we had Ben Chorley. We had a lot of older pros and they just, they went in on me hard. That was massive eye-opener. Going on loan, any young player, if it was one thing they could ask me, what I would have done different is I would have went on, stayed at Chelsea again and I would have went on loan again. I would have went and gained more experience. And if I could change anything, I would have gone on loan even earlier, not played so many reserve games. Reserves, it's good for a season. If you've done a season, just get out on loan, is what I would say, because um, it's the biggest and best experience you can get. So would you say you learned a hell of a lot in a short amount of time at MK Dons with it being your first loan away from Chelsea? Yes, learned, learned so, so much. And um, it was just a massive eye-opener. Uh, real football, everything's on the line. Fans in the stadium, that, that, I really enjoyed that. That was a massive thing for me. I loved the pressure. And when I went back to reserve football, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do another year of this. Um, if I'm not going to be in the first team, I'm not going to be getting on. I don't just want to train with them. I want to play. So I was like, if I have to step down to go back up was what was in my mind. Uh, I would do that. And I went on and I, I made the decision to leave and I went to Millwall. Just there, sorry, sorry back, back, back to you, man. Going to MK Dons, you say that with the whole um, like players' wage on the line. I believe they were in like a League Two relegation battle. Was that one of the main reasons why people went, say, for example, the trick that you did and didn't come off and you got battered for it? That's why, because there is such a seriousness, at the, particularly at those levels, where if you make a mistake, you will get hooked for it. Yeah, it was League One at the time. A League One. Uh, the relegation battle, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, it was that. It's people were going to get fifty percent wage cuts if you get relegated. You know, Danny Wilson was the manager, and it just shows you how naive I was. I didn't really know who Danny Wilson was. I just thought the name. You know, as a young player, um, I de I learned so much. I learned on the job, so to speak, because I got into the game so late, but. A lot of people, and it's no discredit to my family. My mum and dad were always working. So everything I did, I kind of made my way to football. I got myself there, got myself to training, got myself to games, did everything on my own, really, because mum and dad were always working. So I never really had to say that other, other teammates of mine had their mum and dads at the game, their uncle, their aunties, their cousins, everyone. And they all knew about football. They knew who everyone was. I didn't know anything. I just was good at playing football. And I didn't really know anything learned on the job. So going to MK, again, it's learning who people are. And players would start telling me, oh, you know, the manager had a career and, you know, he's been a manager at other clubs. He's managed in the Premier League and blah, blah. I was like, oh, wow. Like, he was that good. I didn't even know, you know. <laughs> so um, things like that, it's just amazing. When you look back, how I've managed to forge a career when I'd stumbled so many times early on has been, has been decent, to be honest. Yeah, just going briefly back to your time at Chelsea, whilst you were there, you played for Portugal 
at under 21 side. That obviously must have been a real honour. How was that to play at that level? That was amazing because it was so different. Again, an, another massive learning curve. Um, I was so different to all the players that were in the Portugal setup because I would run so much more everywhere. <laughs> because in the English game, it's so different to over there. It's all about the ball. It's all about clever running as opposed to in England, you're always running. You're either pressing or you're playing with the ball at high intensity. Um, and to be fair, Jose, obviously, in Portugal, what he, why he had so much success is because he brought that intensity on top of the technical aspect. Would you so, say he like defied the curve in terms of that for Mourinho's Porto side? He he brought the intensity into a league which was more relaxed and that's why people like maybe teams just didn't expect it. Yeah, the abroad game, you know, Spain's similar, France similar, it's slow, slow, final third, quick, whereas England is quick everywhere on the pitch. It's relentless. Um, and going to Portugal, to answer your question, that is, I believe as well, why Jose did have his success. It was that intensity he got good players working hard, basically, uh, and pressing. His press was amazing. And that was it. Um, going to Portugal, a lot of the players, I just didn't get it. I was thinking they were just lazy, but they just they didn't press. The front three, your job is to create and score goals. You stay high and wide as wingers, and you just stand and wait for people to get you the ball. <laughs> Go and do your bits. Um, don't get me wrong, it's really enjoyable. Um, but again, going from that, coming back, it was an amazing learning curve because there was aspects that England just did not have uh, that the foreign game was amazing on. Technical aspects, just really, really good. And different coaches I worked under, amazing, amazing uh, to see. And that's all, again, things that I save in memory bank in terms of um, what I would do in the future and when, when I'm coaching young young kids in the academy it's something I enjoy getting through to them as well but yeah I mean we, I played with the likes of Caresma, Nani, Ronaldo Miguel Veloso, Yannick Jalor loads of top top players um, that just went on to have much better careers than me <laughs> Yannick Jalor is the, the lad at um, Sporting yeah, he actually came yeah. on trial to Bolton, you know. Yes, uh, I remember. When I was there. He ended up... Which one's that, got an injury. Is that? Which name was that, Ben? That's uh, Yannick Jallo. He's at okay, yeah. um, Sporting Lisbon, I believe. But yeah, I remember the trial. I, I, couldn't, I didn't really know if it was real or not. But yeah, now you mentioned <laughs> it does ring a bell. Yeah, really nice guy. Great player. Also had a good career. I don't know, I don't know if he's still playing now, but... Um, I was speaking to Nani the other day, actually. He's That's in Orlando. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's such a good pro. He's still so fit, doing really well in the MLS. Um, really nice guy, so down to earth. Um, we've kept in touch. Ronaldo, I, I haven't spoke to since. I saw him in the Algarve about six years ago uh, in a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we just spoke briefly not got his number or anything like that. Same with Charisma, just Nani really still speak to. What was it like seeing Ronaldo up close and in the flesh? I mean, obviously he was only a young lad then and he wasn't quite 
sort of physical stature and the bit the sort of goal per game goal scorer that he is now. But you must have seen some signs early on. Was his work rate like that, Philippe? Was his work rate like how uh, Alex Ferguson seems to describe him as? He would do all the extras. He would work hard every single day. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you never believe, just relentless. He never had any family with him. That's what a lot of people don't know. He came from Madeira, yeah. an island off Portugal, and he was on his own. And obviously, his dad passed away early. You know, it was tough, tough for him. But he was on his own, so all he would do is train. He'd put all his energy into the training. Um, and I only really played with Ronaldo at 16 years old because he then went straight up to the first. It went yeah. 21s, maybe one game, and then went straight to the first team. But at 16, he was really skinny. I never, I never, he had amazing ability, don't get me wrong, but I never thought, just genuinely never thought at the time he would have had the career he had. Ability, I thought he's amazing, but I thought he was really slight and I thought he'd struggle. I never thought in it, he'd be coming to England, which is the most robust league, and then become the athlete that he did. But that, again, because of his mindset was just ridiculous. It was like he knew he was gonna he knew he was gonna be the best from day one. Um but when we were that young it was actually Charisma was the best. Charisma was just the one that was gonna be the biggest new star. Yeah. And he went he went to Barcelona at seventeen, I think, for a massive amounts of money back then. And he was just amazing. Um he was by far like the one who stood out to me. And then he was a a year below us, already playing with us as well. He was good. But again, there, there was so many good ones that they're all good, you know? Yeah, it's when I'm a big football manager guy and I've played it all through my childhood. And you heard Charisma, he was the guy you got because he was young and you could get, he was be brilliant. And then it used to, was moved on to the nannies and then on the Ronaldo's, oh, you've got to get this kid from Lisbon. He's amazing. You can just tell there's <laughs> talent pool over there. Yeah, there's so many. That's the thing. I'm surprised there's a lot more Portuguese players coming now because it seems like there's a lot more Portuguese managers coming to the UK because of the success some of them have had. And then you're seeing a lot more players come come over because you'd be surprised. And I know because I've got friends who play over there in the Premier League, but the, the salaries compared to England are so much lower. Like You're talking Premier League in Portugal. There's some players don't even know what League 2 players earn. You know, it's such a big difference. And I'm quite surprised that managers over here haven't tapped into that market to bring players over because technically they're fantastic. If you get the right characters and coach them and get them their intensity higher, great players to have, as you've seen a lot of the, the, the recent Portuguese players coming over. Like Bruno I mean, Fernandes, for example. Yeah, and... You, well, and just to relate it back to Bolton, when we were playing Wolves in that championship season, it was full of like Portuguese players. Yeah. yeah, you had Ruben Neves and everyone used to think Portuguese players couldn't play in England, but there, the intensity was there. You know, he's got that intensity. You had uh, Ivan Cavalero, who's now at Fulham. They had J uh, uh, Jota, so many uh, good players. Elder Costa and these guys come into the championship, which is a hundred miles an hour, and premiers is just again another level, and they come in and they got promoted straight off. So, very clever, 
you know, from the hierarchy and from the manager at Wolves to bring those players over. A lot of people maybe think it's a risk and think, right, I want to go with uh, what's proven in England. I'm going to go with the championship players. Someone who's had three seasons in this league. We want to get promoted. Who's doing it now? Who's tried and tested? Mm. No, they've gone, you know what? We're going to go and get Ruben Neves from Portugal. Don't get me wrong. Great pedigree. Um, with Captain Porto at such a young age in the Champions League, etc. Eldo Costa and even Cavalero. Some of them, you know, they've done well, but to bring them over to the Championship, big fees, big wages, it was a gamble. But again, it's someone, it's something I used to see and think, why don't people do that? But they did it because they're in the position to do so. So um, they've they've proven that you can really tap into that market. Um, your next move after leaving Chelsea, obviously, you went to MK and then Millwall. See, we've had a couple of guests on before that have played for Millwall, and we always ask them the same question. How did you sort of deal with the, the intensity of playing at the Den? I mean, obviously, it's, it's well documented down there. You know, the, the fans are passionate, they're expectant, and they create a real atmosphere. What was it? How did you find that at the time? Again, it goes back to how I was as a young lad, which helped me, but it also was a negative as well. Um, I wish I'd joined Millwall when I was older because I love the type of fans that they've got. I love the pressure that they put on players to produce. If you don't believe you me, you'll know about it. Um, and it's great. I love that. It's similar to Bolton. I was always a player that struggled, um, just being really frank and honest, but at, at smaller clubs, you really have to dig in to motivate yourself. I was never someone who was great at that, or I'd relax if I'd done well. It's what, you know, good managers that have got the best out of me, they never let me relax, like Phil Parkinson, you know. Um, so... Going back to that, you know, if I could go to Millwall again, say even now, I would love it. And I would do so much better than what I did because I'd appreciate the pressure. And I love being in in a pressured environment. It gets the best out of me. Something really riding on it. You've got to produce. You've got to be at your best. And as a young player, I just spent most of the time, I didn't feel no pressure at all. I just thought, didn't think anything of it. I was almost... Um, I thought I was almost too good for Millwall, if I'm honest. Leaving Chelsea, going, dropping down, I was just deluded. I didn't appreciate the club it was. And I didn't, and, and that's why I didn't do as well as I should have, really. I was just a young player. I thought I could just turn up, you know, do my bit on the ball, go home. But when you play for Millwall, that's just not possible. You need to defend. You need to work hard. You need to put tackles in. You need to head it, kick it. You need to work, work, work. And I always just wanted to go forward with the ball. I never understood that. And even with Jose at Chelsea, which he tried to instill in top, top players, which he did, I still, I worked hard. I ran around, but I didn't put tackles in. I didn't head it. <laughs> um, it's only really when I met Phil Parkinson that I actually learned that, that late in the game. Because he made it seem call to me to head it and get and, and tackle and how how valuable it is 
he, he found a way to get it into my brain. It took that long. I was 29 years old, really. Um, then it was a move to Scotland. And you were up there for a few years, weren't you? I think, was it St. Johnston that you went to first? How did you find playing up there? And, and, and how different was it to what you'd been used to? How did it come about as well, Philippe? Um, Derek McInnes played for Millwall. I don't know if you've heard of Derek McInnes, yeah. Rangers, West Brom. Mm. He played for Millwall, come towards the end of his career. And I played with him at Millwall. And he went up to St. Johnston because he's obviously Scottish. And um, the following season, Millwall said they, they didn't want to keep me on. I had another year. But they said, if you can get a club, you can leave for free. So uh, I took the opportunity. Or was that a loan? No, I went on loan initially. Sorry, I went on loan to St. Johnson initially um, towards the end of the season. I'd done well. And then um, I went back to Millwall. They said I could leave for free. And because I'd done well up there, Hibernian then came in for me, which were a great club and had a really, really top manager, John Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was a, a massive move at the time. And I was really excited. How much do you think a prolonged spell in Scotland helped you? Did you learn a lot up there? Were there a lot of things that you didn't sort of, that you'd not picked up down in England that you sort of learned about the game playing up there? Is it different? <laughs> yeah, very, very different. That's the amazing thing about being a footballer as well. And I've moved around, I've played for a few clubs. Amazing experience, amazing network. You get to meet so many people, different walks of life, you know, different towns. And it's such different characters, different areas. London, totally different to Northern people. Then you've got the Northeast, you know, you've got where I live now, Harrogate, Bradford, Yorkshire. So you've got Yorkshire, Lancashire, London, Scotland, all those different areas and tie that in with Portugal. It's, it's an amazing experience. And to answer your question, it was a massive learning curve again. I learned everything not what to do the hard way again in Scotland. Uh, similar, you know, similar type of thing. I started really well because, again, it was the manager. I really needed a manager that was on me constantly. And John Collins was. He was, he was 24 hours a day, lived and breathed football, loved to pass the ball, played the beautiful game. It really suited my, my game. First season was fantastic. We split the old firm, Rangers and Celtic, and we, we were even top of the league for a spell. Had an amazing period, played with fantastic players in that Hibs team, you know, that went on to play in the Premier League as well. David Murphy, Stephen Fletcher, um, other players who, Kevin Thompson, Scott Brown, Celtic, you know, a lot of good, yeah. good players. You won't go into a 50-50 with him, would you? No, I don't. <laughs> go into one anyway <laughs> no I'm not too I'm not too I'm not too bad now to be fair um, probably back then I wouldn't but yeah in Scotland going back to your question it, yeah amazing learning curve such a different culture got a lot of positives from it still with my wife who's Scottish <laughs> so uh, I got married in Scotland where well, we got married so Got massive ties in Scotland, and I love the place. Um, got still got loads of good friends there, and yeah, enjoyed enjoyed my time. Football wise, could again could have done so much better. 
again, we're still really learning and making loads and loads of mistakes, both on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, brutally honest, that that is what was happening. I just wasn't producing regularly because I just wasn't living right. I was just never really had the right guidance, really. So then when you went to Oldham in 2010, was that difficult to come back down, having obviously met your wife up there and sort of enjoyed being up there? Was it a bit difficult to then come back down? No, I was literally needed to get out of that, get out of the country because it had, uh, yeah, it hadn't gone too great um, in terms of little bits and bobs that I was just getting into all sorts of trouble and, stuff like that and I needed to really get out of the country and, and when you play in Scotland it's like a fishbowl you don't realise that I was young at the time I again didn't know anything really about the game and who was there and who was who and everyone knows who you are that's the difference in, you walk out the road into town for Hibs it's like you, you play for Arsenal in London you know it's their Premier League so you're known and I couldn't really get my head around it um, had you know, I just thought I was just playing in Scotland. It's a small league, but really, it's everything to Scotland, and it was an amazing um, platform. So I didn't really appreciate it um, and what it could have brought me. It just brought me all the wrong headlines as opposed to the good ones. So um, yeah, I learned a lot of uh, hard lessons in Scotland, and then um, I really just wanted to get out and get a clean slate, really, and that's why I thought. I actually had another year at St. Johnson. I said, no, I need to, I need to get out. I need to go back to England and just try and get my foot back in the door in one of the leagues there and try and work my way up again is what I was, I was thinking. And then I really struggled to get a club. Um, I was going on trials at clubs. There was players, it was so frustrating. This is what's really hard about the game that people don't see as well. You know, there's periods, that period I went without a wage and I didn't have money behind me then or anything like that. It was, it was like, what the hell? Why is no one signing me? Like, I'm better than him. I'm better than him. I don't understand why he's not taking me, you know? But it's the full package. There's that many players out there now. If you just 5 10% that you, maybe you won't do it or you maybe someone says maybe you ain't got the right attitude or you've you done this or that, that's it. That's enough for a manager not to take you. And I was struggling. And thankfully, I had Paul Dickoff, who was, uh, <laughs> who, who was a great character. And he, he liked my character. And he thought, he, he, he saw me as a challenge to, to get the best out of me. He thought, you know, no, I want to help this, this young player. And he really did. He gave me the opportunity. I, I went on trial for a few weeks. And I signed a non-contract, a terrible deal initially just to get by, I don't even mind saying it because it was an amazing gesture, but Paul, sometimes he would even knock on my door the, the, that was near the stadium and he'd say, uh, you're right, son. I'd say, yeah, this is after a game. He says, what are you doing tonight? And I'd say, nothing. And he's like, come on, I know what you're doing. You're going, <laughs> you're going, you're going out. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 I'm not going out. He's like, right. He'd give me 50, 100 quid and says, says, just go out and enjoy yourself. You know, because he knew I was on a non-contract. I didn't have much money. He'd give me it out of his own pocket just, you know, because he was just trying to help me and he knew I was on my own and I'd had a bad time recently. You know, 
things like that, I look back and think, wow, like such a nice guy. And we still keep in touch, me and Paul Dickoff. And yeah, he, he then got me a, a great deal at Oldham, one of the best deals they'd given because I'd done well uh, within a few months and I got another, I got a two and a half year deal. So then I was back to normal again. But those are the struggles you go for, go through sometimes in football. And it's, do you give up then? Or do you um, carry on and try and get that little, you know, follow that little light at the end of the tunnel and hope that you get there? When you're not got a club, do you keep training, staying fit? It's so difficult because you don't think there's someone going to take you. It's like, what's driving you? It's got to, be, it's got to come from, from inside you, really. So anyone who's ever been through that, I've got massive respect for because it's really not easy. Same period as we're in now. Coronavirus. How long have we been in it now? It's, it's, it's gone on for long, hasn't it? And um, there's players, I know there's players, and I speak with a few of them, I won't name names, but a lot of them are now starting to struggle. This, the first four weeks, they were training. Yeah, I'm going to keep fit, keep fit. Then this mentally very difficult to keep driving yourself. You need to be, you need to have a really special mentality to think, when I come back, I'm going to be the one who's going to score the goals. I'm going to be the one who's on it. I'm going to be the one who gets that team promoted. That's the mentality you need to get in. But to keep that over weeks and weeks and weeks with no, and then within a, a house, you might have kids, it all gets on top of you. It's difficult. And uh, it's going to be difficult for a lot of players this period because that's the type of period that I found myself in at Oldham. And it really does build you mentally. But that's why, part, you know, having careers in the game or, or doing well in the game, a, a big part of it is mentality, you know, and having a strong, uh, having a strong mentality, really. You're back at Oldham now, of course. Have the fans been great with you since you've been back there? Because obviously they'll remember you doing well there the first time round. Fans are brilliant at Oldham. I feel so sorry for them because the club's just not the same anymore, unfortunately. It's a massive, massive difference. Uh, I went in there with a huge, like, just, I heard a lot of things, but I went in and I just thought, you know, clean slate, let me just see what's going on for myself, really. And I haven't played for Oldham since January now. I haven't even spoke, spoken about this. You're getting exclusive insight. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I haven't played for Oldham since January the 1st. It was, it was um New Year's Day game. We lost. Um, a few words were said after the game in the changing room usual stuff in football but for some reason I then wasn't allowed back in the training uh, ground so from there I haven't been in to Oldham since that's the reality of what's happened at Oldham um, for, since then let me tell you I've seen a lot of things in the game but I've kept very quiet about what's happened because I respect the club too much and the fans. It was the same at Bolton. Um, so I won't say some of the things, but it's just, it's scandalous, you know, and what's going on there now as well with players. It's just, it's, it's just not on. Um, There's a lot that be, fans won't be seeing that goes on behind the scenes is probably a way to blanket statement it. Yeah, it's a real yeah. Yeah, I think the fans, to be fair, they've clocked on. They they know what's going on, the fans, and they're not daft, you know. And, and I've always 
spoke my mind and that's probably why a lot of the fans there and even Bolton and other clubs I've got a good affinity to is because the fans appreciate just I just say it how it is but in this in the position I'm in now still and technically I'm still an Oldham player on loan um, I don't really want to get I don't think it's nice either really to speak bad about a club and I do really like the club I've got a lot of friends who who are fans and I had a great first spell but this spell started really well and then obviously there was changes and then it was a matter of time things were going to go sour. But I still tried to be professional, still would have turned up every day, but then I wasn't even allowed to do that. So lockdown for me has been since January. So <laughs> if you think, if, if you think um, it's been bad the last few weeks, I've had that since January. So every day I, I go out and train still now every single day and when I'm running around that pitch, I'm just visualizing setting up goals and scoring goals next season. That's all I see. I don't, anyone else maybe would give up or I don't know, but it just fuels me even more, really. It's a shame because, I, I, like I said, I love the club and uh, I just hope it turns out okay. But massive, massive concerns how that's going to pan out. So after your first spell at Oldham, you then ended up at Stevenage. How did that move come about? Stevenage, wow. Yeah, um, Stevenage were going for it at the time. They were, I think they'd been in the playoffs the, the season before. They had massive cup runs. Gary Smith took over, um, had, had coached at Arsenal, you know, great coach. And I thought, yeah, you know, I've really really liked the sound of it. I met them. I had a few other options as well because I'd done okay at, at Oldham. And um, they just offered me a great deal. It was a three-year deal, which, you know, is a long-term deal in football. It's very rare in the lower leagues. And um, they were building a new training ground. And I just felt like they could get promoted. The players they were bringing in thought, this is a great project. And I went down and, again, we started amazing. We had amazing players. Luke Freeman. Mm, uh, I was now, say, yeah, there's some good players there. Luke Freeman, I remember. Brilliant player. Yeah, Anthony Grant should have played higher in his career. He's still playing. He's at Swindon now. Um, a lot of good players. Darius Charles was at Wickham. Uh, we had two stalwart centre-halves, uh, Mark Roberts and John Ashton, who were fantastic, fantastic at the time. Um, just loads of really good players um, and then done amazingly with Gary. We had a bit of a bad spell, dropped down to fifth or sixth, I think, and they sacked him. I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. I was actually really shocked. And they brought back Graham Wesley. And again, then that was the end for me because just not for me. Uh, He's a polarising figure in football. Yeah, well not, and then he bought, obviously, Dino Mamaria, who's now at Oldham. And that says it all, basically. Two Paul <laughs> figures is what you can say. <laughs> Phil, the first time I saw you play was for Stevenage, actually. Um, it was a 3-2 win at Bradford. Um, and Luke Freeman scored two absolute screamers. Can you remember that game? Which one? It, Stevenage against who? Stevenage beat Bradford 3-2 at Valley Parade. And Luke Freeman scored twice. I think Zorko oh, scored a goal. Francois yeah. Zorko. You I remember that I game? Because obviously, he signed for Bradford not too long after that. 
Can you remember it at all? I don't think I played in that though, did I? Oh, you, all right, I thought you did. Never mind. <laughs> I don't think I played in it, but um, I, remember, I remember the game because Luke scored two worldies, didn't he? Yeah, 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 that's right. Because when I went to Bradford, I remember um, uh, the gaffer, Phil Parkinson, mm. he, he, he asked me straight away about Luke Freeman. He was always asking about uh, what I thought, and I thought, I said to him, he's amazing. Right, get him if you can. <laughs> he's class. Yeah. Um, he was, yeah, very good. At, it's funny because at Stevenage, it was one point, me and him just weren't even playing. Like, that's how baffling that was. Mm. At Stevenage. That under Wesley, I imagine. Yeah. It was funny. One time, I got a lot of Wesley stories, but I don't want to, I'm not dogging Wesley a lot of pe- here. A lot of, a lot of people have Wesley stories. Yeah, I'm not dogging Wesley or, or Mamaria because, you know, what is hard to be a manager, uh, you know, just from the outside looking in and doing it for a spell at Crawley, it's tough to be a manager. So fair play to them for having got jobs and in a job and doing what they do and had success. Uh, Graham had success in the conference and League Two. So fair play to them. And this isn't, they're, you know, putting them down because they do what they do. Everyone has their different methods and it works for some players and it doesn't work for a lot of others, but it is what it is. So fair play to them for sticking to their principles. And I got nothing personal against them at all. Uh, even in the situation I'm in now, definitely not personal. Just move on. Um, it's just the way football is. Unfortunately, it's cutthroat. Um, and, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, the story in Stevenage. Uh, Graham, um, it's fair to say Graham loved a text. Um, we used to get a lot of texts. And uh, one time, I don't want to give too much because it's not fair, but there was one meeting um, and Lukey basically was never going to have a career in the game. You know, that was it. You know, crap. All the rest of it. <laughs> and uh, I remember speaking I had to we we done a really good one thing Graham was really good at was it was almost like a business the team so he'd find ways to motivate that team this business but it was a team it was us and I thought it was really intriguing looking back how he'd organize the group and motivate players he'd get players to motivate players so he'd done a little exercise which was great I think and I would I would use this myself where you went into groups of five and one group had to speak about the other group. You had to say three things that made that player extra special. And this was before a game. So don't get me wrong. It was a bit draining because you're three hours before a game having a long, long meeting. But for that particular meeting, it really worked because it made everyone feel amazing. The best praise you can get from a player from in football is from your own teammate. And mm. he found a way to make us... Um, speak highly of each other so I got Luke Freeman and Luke at the time wasn't even playing <laughs> and and he just wasn't appreciated put it that way and I thought I said from day one Luke would play in the Premier League so just to, to really help Luke because everyone else you know in football a lot of players they just say what managers want to hear at the end of the day and they need to and I understand that because everyone's got bills and families to look after but I felt so sorry for Luke that I wanted to rebuild Luke. And I said, Luke, I said, don't ever let anyone tell you 
you won't have a career in the game. You'll play in the Premier League. One day we will all here in this room be watching you play in the Premier League. And now he's actually there. It actually it makes it really fitting for that story because he's he's finally got there now. And um he just you can see it, he's got bags of natural ability. You can't yeah. defend against that. Great player, fit. He carried a bit of weight then, but it was more so because he just needed managed it the right way. And um yeah, it just baffled me how how he just didn't play. I then didn't play. A lot of other players didn't play, but that was it. Uh, that's the Stevenage story. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I, I moved on quite quickly. I had another year left and I cancelled my contract. I didn't even have another club, but I just had to leave. The situation, it got to a point where you just needed to get out. It's understandable. Yeah, it just wasn't me. Like, I just, I'm not someone who can fake it. It's it just, I say it how it is. And it's probably been the downfall for my career at the beginning. I probably bite my tongue a lot more now. Um, but it's not that I'm going around being a, a loud mouth. I'm professional and I have the right attitude towards the manager always. But there's certain things I'd rather just move, move on um, than be somewhere that don't, sit well with me and obviously you you can't just pick and choose what clubs you get and it's a gamble but I'd rather be true to myself and you know I can't fake it as I said I can't stay somewhere and just pick up a wage when you know my heart's not in it and that's the situation unfortunately at Stephen is it's it's unfortunate because it's a a great little club Um, the owner has tried to build it up in the right way. You know, they've got a brand new training ground, trying to build the stadium up. I know the head of recruitment really well, Leon Hunter, great people there, but still making the same mistakes, mm-hmm. um, going back to old regimes that aren't, aren't working at the end of the day. It's just the way it is. Um, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm.